Amen. Well, I'm glad to be here uh, tonight, and uh, it's a blessing to be able to be preaching Amen. as an old man. <laughs> Amen. I want to I want to commend Brother Steve Gregory. Amen. I won't tell you how long I've known him but I've long, known him long enough to know he's an old man too. <laughs> and I thank God for Brother Steve and his faithfulness to the Lord. I appreciate his friendship all these years. Well, uh, Brother Wayne said I'm an Alabama fan. I was raised in Alabama. So I've been a missionary here in Georgia for 33 years. <laughs> But I am an Alabama fan. I heard this story right after the Alabama-Tennessee game last year. This fellow stopped in this convenience store. And uh, while the game was in progress, the man had the, had the television on, had the game on. He had a monkey. And when Alabama make a first down or make a good play, that monkey just excited and clap and carry on. Finally, when the game ended and Alabama went, won, that monkey just went crazy doing backflips and everything. That guy said to that proprietor, he said, what does that monkey do if Tennessee wins? He said, I don't know. I hadn't owned him but 11 years. made my Tennessee fans mad. I'm going to try to preach. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to read tonight from the book of Job chapter 5. Job chapter 5. After I pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather here in this place tonight and enjoy this wonderful time of fellowship together. What wonderful singing we've enjoyed. Thank you, Lord. I pray now, God, as we open your word, that you'll open our heart tonight to receive from heaven what you want us to. Lord, I'm aware of how badly I need you. I pray for that divine anointing from heaven to preach tonight. And I promise to give you all the glory and the praise for what you do. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Job chapter 5, I want to read verses 6 and 7. For the Bible said, although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, 
neither does trouble spring out of the ground, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. He said it a little different way in Job 14, verses 1 and 2, when he said, Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth as a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. So what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this evening is stabilizing truth to handle trouble. And it's not a question if you're going to have trouble. It is a question of when and how much. But we're born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. So don't, let, don't ever let the devil deceive you into thinking that you're the only one who has trouble. The devil is a liar. The devil is a deceiver. So you can't trust the devil. Amen. But you can trust God and you can believe the Bible, uh, the holy word of God. So I want to give you some things to tell yourself when you're in trouble, when you're going through trouble in your life. Things to tell yourself to help you to stabilize you in handling the troubles that you're called upon to go through. First of all, say to yourself, God's love for me is unchanging. You see, one of the biggest lies the devil will try to tell you when you're going through a time of heartache and disappointment, maybe affliction, the devil will say to you, if God really loved you, you wouldn't be going through this. That's what the devil will do. I remember at the lowest point in my life when my wife had that very serious uh, operation over in Memphis, Tennessee. The surgery lasted 12 hours and I finally got to go in the intensive care unit about 9.30 that night to see her. She looked like she was dead. Had tubes everywhere. And I laid my hand on her and she, she opened her eyes a little bit. And I could see she was trying to say something. And I, I got over her bed, got my ears close to her as I could. And she said, if you don't fast and pray, I'm not going to make it. So I left that intensive care unit. We, we were in the Baptist hospital and right across the Street was a hotel connected to the hospital I stayed there. They had a tunnel that went under that that went under that street. And I was walking over there to that room, and that devil said to me, "If God really loved your wife, she wouldn't be having to go through this." 
And if God really loved you, you wouldn't be having to go through this. And then the devil said to me, what about that grace you've been preaching about? I hate the devil. I went in that hotel room. I got on my knees beside that bed and I started talking to God. I don't know how long I stayed there, but I talked to God. And I'm telling you, you can believe whatever you want to believe. But I tell you, God came in that room as sure as I'm standing on this platform tonight. God came in that room and he said, everything's going to be all right. Amen. I'm telling you, the devil's a liar and God is trustworthy. And God, God's love is unchanging. He said in Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Aren't you glad God's love is not like man's love? Man's love is fickle, but God's love remains the same. I've had all these years of preaching and pastoring. I've had that unfortunate experience. I'd have sat before a man and a woman and I've heard the woman say on some occasion, Pastor, I just don't love him anymore. And I've heard the man say on some occasions, Pastor, I just don't love her anymore. I tell you, man's love is fickle. But God's love is unchanging. There's nothing you can do that'll make God love you any less and there's nothing you can do that'll make God love you any more. He loves you, period. And his love will never change. Herein is love, 1 John 4, 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son that we may have life through him. Hallelujah. I tell you, the love of God is unchanging. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. Down in verse 35 of that same chapter. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I tell you, nobody shall separate us from the love of Christ. He goes on to say, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angel nor principality nor power nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you tonight, I want to tell you tonight when you're going through trouble, just tell yourself, God's love for me is unchanging. He still loves you. No matter what you face, no matter what you're having to go through, God still loves you. Amen. Then tell yourself this 
when trouble comes, God's purpose for me is Christ likeness. That's his purpose for every one of us who are saved. His purpose in our life is Christ likeness. And, and he said in Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And then it said, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate uh, to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, don't get shook up about that word predestinate. And don't get misled. There are those that say that that God has predestinated a certain people to go to heaven and certain people to go to hell and nothing they can do will change that. I want to tell you that's not taught in the Bible. That is not true. Uh, the word predestinate is always associated with saved people, never associated with unsaved people. What they do is get foreknowledge mixed up with with. Uh, with that predestination. Foreknowledge simply means that God knows everything and he does. If he didn't, he wouldn't be God. But I'm telling you tonight on the authority of the holy inspired word of God that God did not predestinate anybody to go to hell. Everybody can get saved if they want to. Uh, Jesus Christ tasted death for every man and every sinner can get saved if they want to get saved. Amen. But I tell you, God's purpose for you and I as children of God is Christ's likeness. Now, he may let us, he may let us go through some difficult experiences to knock off some rough edges. He might let us go through some heartaches and disappointments that we might that we might humble ourselves and be more like Jesus. God wants you and I as his children to be like Jesus. John said, John the beloved said, for as he is, so are we in this world. And you'll remember those, uh, uh, those early, early uh, followers of Christ in, in Acts eleven twenty six. it said they were first called Christians in Antioch. Now that, that was not, a, uh, that was not a, ter a term of endurance. They were making fun of those people. What they were saying, they're just a bunch of little Christ. They're acting like Christ. They're trying to be like Christ. Therefore, they're Christians. They were, they were mocking and poking fun. But I want to tell you how the, mo how the most important thing that you can be as a child of, Christ, of child of God is to be like Christ in your, in your life. Love like Christ. Amen. Uh, have the... Have the 
a compassion like Christ. He was filled with compassion, the Bible said. And God wants you and I to be like him. And we, you know, we're saved positionally. Uh, when we got saved, we were sanctified. We were set apart for a sacred task. But since we got saved, God wants our sanctification to be progressive. He wants us to grow and mature and become more like Christ and be a mature Christian. Amen. And then, of course, we'll, we will be uh, we will be conformed to his perfect image one of these days. I'll get back to that in a moment. But when trouble comes, tell yourself, God's love for me is unchanging. Tell yourself that God's purpose for me is Christ's likeness. And if he's trying to let me go through this great trial, uh, this great affliction, this great trouble, if he's trying to make me more like Jesus, I'm going to accept that and just keep on keeping on for God. Third, tell yourself that, uh, tell yourself that God's word to me is the final right answer. God's word to me is the final right answer. I want to say tonight, the Bible is always right. It's always right. It's right when we understand it. It's right when we don't understand it. The Bible is always right. And we don't need to rewrite the Bible. We need to reread the Bible. Amen. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with the authorized King James Bible. Uh, had a fellow say to me just some time ago, he said, well, he said, uh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, believe the Bible. I said, you don't? He said, no. I said, why? He said, it's got too many contradictions. He'd heard some theologian that is educated beyond his intelligence say that. Got too many contradictions. I said, show me one. I said, I don't need to see many, just show me one. He said, well, I, I don't know exactly. I said, no, you don't. And you need to shut up because you don't know what you're talking about. Amen. And I'm telling you tonight, uh, there, uh, those people that try to point out contradictions in the Bible, uh, where the contradiction is, is between their ears. There's not contradiction in the Bible. Amen. The Bible is right. The Bible is always right. 2 Timothy 3, 15, uh, 16 uh, Paul said to Timothy, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which were able to make thee wise unto salvation. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished. I want to tell you tonight uh, that the word of God is our final right 
answer on every subject. Amen. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now he didn't say thy word is true. That would have been a factual statement if he'd have said it that way. But he didn't say thy word is true. He said thy word is truth. That means that the Bible is the instrument that we use to measure all other things to see whether they're true or not. And anything that's contrary to the Bible is not true. Amen. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, we need to, we need to love this Bible, the Word of God. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even on dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and the intents of the heart. I tell you, that Bible is a powerful book. It really is. If you don't believe it is, you put, you put one in your hand and walk down the sidewalk. See how many people will change, change across the street. Keep walking by you with that Bible in your hand. I tell you, they see you with the Bible in your hand, they'll avoid you like, they, like you got the plague. It's a powerful book. Amen. And I want, I want to say to you tonight uh, that in whatever trouble you find yourself in, you can go to the Bible and you can find words of comfort. You can find words of encouragement. Uh, you can read of uh, you can read of the of the way God uh, dealt with his with his people in time past, and you'll find something that will apply to you and that will encourage your heart and cause you to want to go on. You can find it in the pages of the Bible. Say to yourself, God's word to me is the final right answer. Then I want to say to you, when trouble comes, say to yourself, God's grace for me is sufficient. The Apostle Paul was a, he was a great Christian and God had God he said there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7 there was given to me a thorn in the flesh and then he said I besought the Lord thrice that he would remove that thorn in the flesh. He's begging God, asking God to remove that thorn in the flesh. May I say to you tonight that all prayer is answered. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says wait a while. Sometimes God says no. And on this occasion, God said to the Apostle Paul, no. 
When Paul begged him to remove that thorn in his flesh, God said no. But God didn't stop there. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Amen. Paul, I'm not going to take that thorn away from you, but I'm going to give you enough grace that you can go on anyway. Amen. Paul said, therefore, will I gladly in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I'm telling you tonight uh, that the grace of God is sufficient for you. I don't care what you have to go through. I don't care how hard it seems. I'm telling you that the grace of God is sufficient and God will, God will come through for you in your great trial of affliction or your great burden of disappointment. Uh, God will, God will make his grace sufficient in your life. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, seeing then that we have such an high priest which is passed into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore become boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. He's touched. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And thank God we can, we can go to his throne and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 8. The Bible said, for he is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. I repeat tonight, I don't know what you may have to go through, what you may have to endure, but I want to say to you, God's grace is sufficient. You can trust. You can trust the grace of God. I got a sermon I preached on the grace of God, about trusting the grace of God. Joseph trusted the grace of God in all of that, in all of that uh, criticism of his brothers and being sold as a slave. He trusted the grace of God and he came out a winner. I mean, I mean, it took 20 years for his dream to, uh, to come to fruition. But that dream he told his brothers that they hated him about, 20 years later it came true. And he's down in, he's down in Egypt. He, he's, uh, he, he's in, he's in the, uh, he's in the Potiphar's house as a slave. But the Bible said that his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph. 
He just kept trusting the grace of God. They threw him in prison because of a woman lied on him. Threw him in prison. The Bible said the keeper of that prison saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Huh? And you know while he was down there, that, that, uh, uh, that master, he had a dream. He had a dream. Those soothsayers and astrologers and musicians of Egypt they couldn't interpret his dream. And suddenly, that butler remembered Joseph down there. That, but he said, there's a man down there in prison can interpret that dream. Joseph called the Lord uh, before uh, the king, and he told him his dream. I saw seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And he said the seven skinny cows ate up the seven fat cows and didn't get any bigger. And he said, I saw seven I saw seven big ears of corn and I saw seven little nubbins and those little nubbins ate up those seven big ears of corn and didn't get any bigger. bigger. What in the world does that mean? Joseph said, this is what that means. You're going to have seven years of bumper crops. You're going to have seven years of plenty. And then you're going to have seven years of famine. Pharaoh said, sounds like a pretty smart dude to me. I'm going to make him my secretary of agriculture. And Joseph became second only to the king. He had control over all Egypt. I'm saying he trusted the grace of God and he came out a winner. Job trusted the grace of God and all the calamity that came against him, and he came out a winner. The Bible said in Job 42.10 that God made him twice as great in the end as he was in the beginning. He came out a winner. Jesus trusted the grace of God and came out a winner. The Bible said in Hebrews 2, 9, but we see Jesus, who's made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I'll tell you, Jesus went upon Golgotha's hill, laid down his life on that old rugged cross. He's trusting the grace of God. And three days later, he stepped out of the grave on the other side and said to John the Beloved, I'm he that liveth and was dead and behold I'm alive forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death I'm telling you you can trust the grace of God it'll always be sufficient stabilizing truth for handling trouble say God's love for me is unchanging God's purpose for me is Christ's likeness God's word to me is the final right answer. God's grace for me is sufficient. Finally say, God's promise to me is going to be fulfilled. Jesus said in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. I want to tell you tonight, that promise is going to be fulfilled as sure as you live. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again. Yeah. Amen. His coming is sure. I mean, 300, uh, 318 times in the New Testament, God tells us that Jesus is coming back again. It's sure. It's going to be sudden. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be chained in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. going to be sudden when he comes back. And then it's going to be selective. Only saved people are going to be caught up to meet him in the air. If you're not saved, you'll be left. But if you're saved, when he comes, you're going up with him. Amen. Let's stand for prayer, please. Now, Lord, I've tried to be obedient, say what I felt like you wanted me to say. And I pray you'll use these thoughts to touch the lives of these people. God, if there's somebody here that is saved, they have a heavy burden, they need special grace, I pray you'd help them tonight to know that they can trust you. They can bring their burden to the Lord and leave it there. I pray, God, if there's one among us who's not saved, that they'd realize tonight that they need Jesus more than they need life itself. And I pray that they might come to trust him as their Savior. Have your way, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.